Hello, I'm Alan Parsons, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to our annual On Screen and Beyond holiday movie preview. And this week at On Screen and Beyond, we've got uh, all the information about some of the blockbuster movies that will be coming your way this holiday season. So I hope you're going to stick around for that. I'm your host, Brian Zimrak. This is On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as new movies, remakes, sequels, TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, our guest is a music legend, Alan Parsons of the Alan Parsons Project. He's uh, a musician. He's an engineer. Uh, he worked on the Beatles, Abbey Road, and Let It Be albums. He worked on Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon album and so many other things. He's got some great stories coming our way. So stick around for that. It's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. But first... We are going to get into our holiday movie preview here at On Screen and Beyond. We do it every year. We're going to let you know what's coming your way as far as movies this holiday season. Before we get into that, I want to remind you that if you are on Facebook, be sure to like us. If you are on iTunes, go ahead and leave us a little review. That'll help more people hear about us, and we'd appreciate that. Uh, we've got... Uh, Thousands and thousands and thousands of people every week that are listening to On Screen and Beyond. And uh, we just want to have more people hear these interviews that we have with such fascinating people. So tell a friend if you get a chance and uh, go ahead and leave a review at On Screen and Beyond uh, iTunes section. And uh, we'd appreciate that. All right. Well, what do you say? Oh, before we go into that, I just want to remind you again, if you're shopping, be sure to go to onscreenandbeyond.com. Click on one of our sponsors. If you're going to go to their site anyways, just click on the ad we have on our site. It'll take it to their site, and then you just go about doing your shopping like you normally would. doesn't cost any extra. We're going to get a little credit for that, and it'll help support the show, and we'd appreciate it very much if you would do that. All right, what do you say we start out with what's coming away as far as remakes this holiday movie season preview right here on On Screen and Beyond. It's next. <laughs> Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness coming your way this holiday movie preview season. It looks like on November 16th. There's not a lot going on, but November 16th you can catch Anna Karina as it gets redone over again, this time starring Kira Knightley and Jude Law. And on November 21st, Red Dawn gets remade this holiday season. And it was originally starring Patrick Swayze, if you remember that version. And this time around... Chris Hemsworth will be the star. That is it for Remake Madness coming your way this holiday season. Next on On Screen to Be On, what's coming your way as far as new upcoming movies? Upcoming new movies this holiday season. Well, Flight with Denzel Washington takes off in theaters on November 2nd in an action-packed mystery thriller. And uh, it should be a good film because Denzel always does a good job. November 9th, you look for Steven Spielberg as he brings us the story of President Lincoln in the movie Lincoln. It's going to be telling about the final months that he was in office. And Daniel Day-Lewis stars in the role of Lincoln along with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Tommy Lee Jones in the cast. And Anthony Hopkins will star as Alfred Hitchcock in the film Hitchcock. And it centers on the time of the filming 
of Psycho. And you can look for that on November 23rd. And The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, arrives in theaters on December 14th following the adventures of Bilbo Baggins. And also Tom Cruise will star in Jack Reacher. And it's a story about a homicide investigator who is looking into the case of a military sniper who shot five random people. That's it for new movies coming your way this holiday season on our holiday season preview. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as sequels? Not as many as I thought. But we'll tell you about them next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sequel City, what's coming your way as far as sequels this holiday season? Well, on November 9th, James Bond returns in Skyfall for another thrilling adventure starring Daniel Craig as 007. And Vampires and Werewolves returns on November 16th as the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2 will be arriving. Of course, uh, star of that, uh, Taylor Lautner, has been a guest here twice on On Screen and Beyond. So if you get a chance, go to onscreenandbeyond.com to our rerun section, and you can catch some early interviews with Taylor Lautner right here from On Screen and Beyond. And on November 21st, Paul Rudd stars in This is 40, and it continues the story of Pete and Debbie from the film knocked up that is it for sequel city next on on screen and beyond we have a music icon coming your way alan parsons who of course was known for his alan parsons project with his songs eye in the sky and so many others but he was also an engineer he worked on the beatles abbey road and let it be albums he engineered the Pink Floyd album, Dark Side of the Moon. And it was just on and on and on from there. He's still doing things. He's going to talk about all that. And it's coming up next. My guest today on On Screen and Beyond is a musician, an audio engineer, and a record producer who over the years has worked with the Beatles on Abbey Road and Let It Be, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, Al Stewart's Year of the Cat, and many, many more. His group, The Alan Parsons Project, has made many hits themselves, including Games People Play, Eye in the Sky, and Time. And he continues to tour and produce and engineer music to this day. It's Alan Parsons. Alan, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Oh, thank you. Nice to be here. Alan, you know, you're still touring, producing albums, creating music. Did you ever think of doing anything else, or has this always been what you wanted to do? <laughs> well, I, I, I came from a I came from a artistic family, um, and uh, I think if I hadn't gone into recorded music, I, I would probably have tried to go into acting in some, in some form or other. Oh, okay. Um, but... Uh, you know, everything in entertainment. I, I think uh, if I if I hadn't um, if I hadn't got the job at Abbey Road Studios back in 1969, I might have looked for a job at the BBC. Uh, you know, maybe be a TV cameraman. You know, I, but you know, entertainment is in my blood. 
Yeah. Was the technical side more of what you were always interested in, or, or being out in front of the public? I was. Uh, I was always a bit of a gadget freak. So, um, and also, you know, a, a great music lover. And you know, I studied piano and flute as a child. So, you know, um, musical parents as well. So. Uh, yeah, I think I think I was born probably born to be a, a sound engineer, although I didn't realize it until <laughs> I actually got landed the job there. You know. Yeah. Now, who were your inspirations as far as music when you were growing up? What who were the the groups and artists that you liked? Well, in my in my long distant past, um, you know, I, I grew up with this uh, group called the Shadows, who were who were the uh, the uh, the band for Cliff Richard, who who who, who could do no wrong in the UK, he mm-hmm. had yeah. hit after hit after hit. But, you know, I was listening to um, you know, a bit of American uh, R&B, you know, Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley and uh, Buddy Holly. You know, they're all they're all uh, on my list of, of greats. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just uh, you know, British music. You know, it really all started with the Beatles, and I was just a huge a huge Beatles fan, and I I, I never really ever dreamt that I would ever that I would one day be working with it was extraordinary I mean that must have blown you away <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty extraordinary it really was no what did one day you just decided to go to Abbey Road Studios and see if you get a job well I, I I had an advantage I was already already working for EMI records in a, in a different department and um, it was a tape duplication department but you know all these uh, various departments of EMI Records were linked, and then I just uh, just wrote a letter to the manager, and he gave me an interview, and then two weeks later, I was working there, so, it was, it, you know, I had the right experience for, for the yeah. job. Wow, geez. <laughs> but at the tender age of 16. Yeah. 16 uh, years? No, no, I was, sorry, I was, I was, uh, I was 19 by then, so i have been working for EMI since 16. Mm-hmm, yeah. Now, when you went to Abbey Road, did you know that there was going to be a chance that you were going to be working for the Beatles? I think I, uh, I think I, secretly had a had a wish that that would happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I knew they I knew they worked there all the time. And, uh, but it, interestingly, the first experience with the Beatles was not at Abbey Road. It was at their own studio at Apple. Oh, really? Um, but, and I was uh, I was sent down as a sort of um, you know a, a representative of Abbey Road because they they'd borrowed some equipment from us and uh, hmm. went down there to to tape up and help out. Yeah. So what was it like back then? Uh, I mean, you're in the studio, you're working with with the Beatles. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and you know, two of their greatest albums, Abbey Road and Let It Be. I mean, that's that's remarkable. Yeah, it was it was it was good times, really was. And uh, you know, I learned a lot. You know, and, and uh, respected George Martin greatly. And you know, I, I like to think that uh, perhaps to a certain extent, I modeled my own career on on him. Yeah. So, being at Abbey Road, I'm sure you worked with a lot of other artists. Yes, I mean it was that—that that was one of the nice things about uh, Abbey Road that it was so so diverse. You, you'd be working with a, you know, a Muzak outfit one day, a, a rock band the next, and a, a, a folk singer the next. You know, just just an enormous variety of music, and it it, it, it taught uh, taught me a lot about you know different styles and you know who likes what. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, how how did you come about with Pink Floyd? How did you get involved with them? Well, they were another uh, another you know very uh, you know, almost resident at Abbey Road. They were they were always in and out of there. Ah, okay. And um, I had mixed uh, the previous album to Dark Side of the Moon. It was called uh, 
Asimhart mother. And, um, you know, they seemed to be reasonably pleased with that, so they, uh, they took me on to do, to do Dark Side of the Moon. But it was, um, you know, I was just doing my job. It's funny. On the payroll of the, uh, of the Abbey Road uh, yeah. Studios. You know, engineering it's, department. It's just funny to hear you, you talk like, oh, yeah, it was just another album, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, yes, I mean, but records were made so quickly back then. I mean, there, there, um, you know, there were so, so, many, so many albums that, that, that I did work on that, would, that were recorded in a, in a day or two days, you know? That, yeah. But uh, it, was, it was really nice to get my teeth into something that, you know, a little bit more uh, adventurous and, uh, you know... It, Pink Floyd were very demanding on, on studio and engineering technology, so they uh, so it was an it was an ideal situation really. Yeah. So how long did it take to make that album? Well, it, we we didn't uh, really work that intensively on it. We probably did you know two weeks of sessions mm-hmm. uh, here, and then took a, a month off, and then did another two weeks of sessions. So it was spread out uh, over probably twelve months. Yeah. And, no. uh, also in, interspersed with, with live shows. I mean, they, they also took me out to do, uh, do their live show uh, sound. Oh, you were doing the sound for the live shows? Wow. That must have been crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was, uh, you know, dealing with a, a six-speaker system on the road, that was, that was, that was a challenge. Now, has it changed a lot since back then and now? As far as what, sound? Live sound or, or, or recorded sound? Well, well, we'll do the live sound first. Um, you know what, live sound, um, it, it, I mean, the technology has changed, but I, I, I'm not sure that the, um, that the, the, the sound you hear these days is, is necessarily any better than it was back then. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but, uh, yeah, well, I mean... Hey, I'm, I'm still one that likes one vinyl records, so... <laughs> I went to see Peter Gabriel last night in, in uh, Santa Barbara Bowl, and it was just the most amazing sound, most amazing show, I mean, just... Extraordinary, one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah, and he played uh, he played all his uh, all his hits. Well, you know exactly what everybody wanted to hear. Right, and he played the whole So album. Incredible, yeah, huh. amazing. Now, when you go see something like that, are you like everybody else, and we're just enjoying the music, or, or do you do you look deeper into the, how the sound is being mixed and uh, all of that? Well, I, I don't uh, dwell on it, but I'm, I, I certainly, you know, give it thought, you know, about, you know, how many mics they're using on the drums and, you know, how they're feeding the guitars and, you know, what, what the back line is and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I try not to let it get in the way of, uh, of the enjoyment of the music because, that, that, you know, it's the songs and the music and the performance that you're, you're really interested in. Right, yeah. yeah. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Now, you worked with the, I mean, we go through so many different people, but you worked with the Hollies with some of their biggest hits, uh, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother, and The Air That I Breathe, and Al Stewart's Year of the Cat. Uh, were those all done at Abbey Road Studios? Uh, for the most part, yes. Um, Year of the Cat was uh, half, half recorded in the UK and half in California. Um, 
because he was uh, he was in the process of, of moving to America at the time. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, Abbey Road was my home. I, I did most most of my best work there. Yeah, yeah, and and a group that you know, they're not as huge as ever. You know, all the others that you you did, but uh, I always enjoyed their music. Was Pilot? You you worked with them? I understand, right? Yes, I uh, I had the first. Uh, it was my first American, you know, hit as a producer, um, the, the song Magic, which I think went top five, maybe top three even, I'm not sure. But um, they, they had more success uh, in the U.K. than they, they, they had as a band, I and mean, I don't think they ever toured America. Ah, uh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, they, they were essentially a one-hit wonder in America. Yeah, yeah. Now, as far as music engineer and music producer... Some people may, may not know the difference. I don't know the difference. <laughs> Can you give us an idea what's the difference between a, a recording engineer and a recording producer? Um, it's interesting that um, you know so many producers these days are engineers as well. Ah, okay. So um, the, the job has tended to, uh, to, to meld into one. But traditionally, um, the, the engineer was... Uh, Entirely responsible for the for the sound, the um, choice of microphones, the, and, and the, essentially the, the sound balance that you would hear in the control room in the studio. And the engineers basically kept their mouths shut and, and did what the producer told them to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, then engineering developed into a more creative uh, area, and um, the, the producer, you know, who, who essentially was the, the guy who booked the studio, paid the bills, um, chose the songs, you know, chose the artist to sign to a label. You know, they were, they were all, that, that's, that's what uh, producers did. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of producers just learned from the engineers. And, 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 and like I said, the, uh, the role is very often just one person these days. Yeah. And, and then what made you decide to not step away from, but uh, branch out into having your own group and and producing your own hits. Well, it it, it seemed it seemed like a good idea at the time to um, to, to uh, assemble some songs and and artists that that, that I was entirely responsible for, um, and with the help of Eric Wilson, who who was a talented songwriter, mm -hmm. um, we we uh, we put an album together. Um, I, I didn't know at the time that it was really going to have my name as artist. I didn't, we didn't know that it was going to be called the Alan Parsons Project. Oh, really? At the time. Um, in fact, the, 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 the first album was just called the Alan Parsons Project because that's what it was. It was the, the, first, <laughs> the first album, the first, the first Alan Parsons Project. So who came up with the, with the name? It was the, uh, it was the head of the label uh, here in the States, um, a guy called Russ Regan, who, who uh, ran... 20th Century Records back in the late 70s. Yeah. You know, he he just heard people talking about the Alan Parsons Project. Hey, I like that. That's cool. You know, let's let's make that the name of the act. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> that's 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 kind of different. Uh, you know, you people name them after animals and everything. Else. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I wanted to ask you. You've done a lot of music of your own, and with the Alan Parsons Project and solo, uh, is there a song that you enjoy the most, not the most critically acclaimed and not the most one that made the most money for you, but that, that you personally like the, the best? Um, there's, a, there's a song, um, I never remember which album it's on, I think it's, on, I think it's probably on Stereotomy, 
Um, it's called Limelight, mm-hmm. uh, and that was that was I, I think one of one of Eric's best uh, best lyrics, and um, it was performed impeccably by Gary Brooker from Procol Harum. Ah, okay, yeah. Uh, so that's that's a favorite. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you perform that in in your tours when you're touring? We have we have done. Um, we haven't been playing it much lately, but uh, we it, it's been there in the repertoire. <laughs> we. Try, try to uh, try to not play the same set for every audience. You know, try to try to be a little bit different each time. Yeah. Now, now I've, I've always wondered. You know, I go to a lot of concerts and everything. You see different the artists, and people naturally want to hear your hits. I mean, you know, I mean that's that's one thing they definitely want to hear. Uh, do you play all your hits at every one? Like you know, time and I, I in the sky. Yeah, there are, there, there are certain songs that you have to play. I mean, if you didn't play I in the sky, they'd ask for the money back. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, 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 you know, the bigger hits, Time, Games to Play, Don't Answer Me, um, all, all those uh, always get played. Yeah, so they're such great songs, too. I mean, but do you ever tire of playing them, that, hearing them all the time? I mean, I, you know. Oh, no, you, you, you sort of, <laughs> I mean, in the, in the uh, excitement of the moment, you know, you, 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 know, you know, you know the tunes backwards and you're, Essentially, sick of sick of hearing them, but but playing them is different, you know. Mm, so. Yeah, yeah, the, and the reaction of the crowd must be yeah, <laughs> of course, gets the adrenaline going. <laughs> Some of the newer stuff that you've been working on. One of the things that I noticed that uh, you helped produce, or you produced, I should say, uh, Grand U- Ukulele. Yes, um, Grand Ukulele is, a, is an album by um, a virtuoso of the instrument called Jake Shimabukuro. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to let you say the name because. Uh. I... <laughs> It's a, it's a bit of a stumbling block for some people. <laughs> yes. Um, he's established himself almost exclusively through the internet by playing uh, uh, the um, uh, his version of, of While My Guitar Gently Weaves by mm-hmm. George Harrison. Yeah. And uh, millions and millions and millions of people have seen that. And um, I went on uh, I went on an Adam Carolla show about a year ago. Uh huh. And uh, just talked about how great Jake was to him, and uh, Jake heard it, <laughs> uh-huh. and um, we uh, to cut a long story short, we met up at a, one of his shows uh, about six months ago, and um, we got on really well, and we said, "Hey, let's make an album together." And, uh, he loved the, you know, he loved my ideas of uh, of combining unaccompanied solo ukulele. Uh, tracks with orchestral tracks and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know a bit, a bit of rhythm section stuff as well. Well, I mean, it, it's it, fairly diverse. I mean, as an artist, you know, if if it was me and I was thinking, okay, let's see, uh, the guys worked on uh, "Let It Be," "Abbey Road," uh, "Dark Side of the Moon," "You're the Cat." Uh, <laughs> it's not a and, his, and the music he's done is, is beautiful. Uh, it's not too much of a, a no no brainer, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but people, you know, I'm, you know, some people are slightly surprised by uh, the fact that I've worked with a ukulele player. But the people who have that, that, you know, that sort of lack of lack of uh, what's the word, you know, just not not any great expectations of, of what spending an evening with a ukulele player might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guy is just a, such a genius, and yeah, such an, an amazing person, and uh, it was it was a joy to work, work with him really well. Yeah. Now, is it a lot different producing the sound for a ukulele player as opposed to a 
rock band? Is, is that well, difficult? It's, 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 it's fairly simple. I mean, once we once we just established a, uh, a combination of microphones that worked, um, we, we we just uh, you know just went for the performances. Um, and the nice thing is uh, about Jake's album is that everything was live. We uh, we did his uh, his unaccompanied solo uh, tracks here in my studio in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went down to a commercial studio in Santa Barbara to do um, the stuff with rhythm section. We, we got Simon Phillips on drums, who is the, uh, the UK, uh, you know, brilliant drummer from Toto and The Who and many others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, the orchestral stuff, we, we flew to Nashville and uh, did it live with, uh, with the orchestra in, in Nashville. It was great. Wow. What other projects do you have going on? Um, I've just uh, I've just completed an album with Stephen Wilson. I don't know if that name means anything to you. He, he's he's from an enormously successful UK band called Porcupine Tree, um, but they haven't really uh, cornered the market here in the US yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've just been doing an album with him. Um, I'm about to uh, launch into a new recording with a, a Anglo Greek band. Two, two English, two Greeks, um, who, are co- who are called Electric Litany, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is uh, trying, to, trying to raise some money to, to make an album with them, um, which is their unsigned. Yeah. So uh, we're looking to, looking to raise some money there yeah. to do that. Um, what else? A bit of touring, a bit of, uh, we've got a German tour coming up uh, in uh, German, Germany and Holland coming up in the early part of next year. Yeah. You still enjoy touring? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's good. And it, uh, it pays the rent, too, I have to say, <laughs> with the declining, uh, declining music sales. You know, playing live is, is an important part of my, uh, of my existence. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen with the music business in general? Well, um, I think we'll be seeing the disappearance of physical product very soon. I mean, CDs are... CDs are got a very limited lifespan I think mm-hmm. and um, as as computer memory and the internet expands and internet gets faster and faster I, th- I think uh, even DVDs and Blu-rays will probably go out the window and yeah. be downloading stuff yeah jeez yeah, it's I... very frightening because um, it, you know we're, we're already in a, in a desperate situation with that uh, Virtually every piece of music ever recorded being available on YouTube for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's worrying that you know that that could happen to feature films in the end. And as long as music is free, then the people who create it have no reason to exist. Mm, yeah. You know, so uh, you know because they can't. You know, nobody <laughs> nobody uh, records for, for nothing. You know? Right. No film director is going to make a movie for nothing. You know? Yeah. Jeez, I mean, it's... It's a, it's a, it's a delicate, uh, delicate time we're living in right now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if, like you say, if everybody keeps getting the music for free, you, you know, you got to make a living, so you can't make music unless you're making something, and right. it's just a vicious circle. It's, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I, I want to... On fin- that depressing note, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're to finish up with two questions that, that aren't as depressing, and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, takes us away from your music and everything and gets more into a personal opinion. As far as when you get to relax, do you watch TV, for one thing? And if you do, 
what are the TV shows you enjoy now and have enjoyed in the past? Um, I, I don't watch a lot of television, actually. Um, I'm, um, you know, I, t- I just uh, I think there are better things to do with, with time, you know, mm-hmm. time with family and friends rather than sit in front of the, in front of the box. Yeah. But um, I, I do like Big Bang Theory. I, I really think uh, that's yes. a great show. <laughs> And uh, you know, I would, I would stop, I would stop what I was doing to watch that. Yeah, yeah. Um, mo- movies are something I'm more, I'm more likely to watch on. Well, well, that was my next question. Movies. What are your favorite movies? Oh, um, I like thrillers. Um, I don't like horror films. I'm not very good with blood and gore. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I'm not going to be watching a lot of TV movies because Halloween's coming up. Right, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, all, all good thrillers. I, mean, I, I like. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, my all-time favorite movie is still Star Wars. Star Wars, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Alan, I just before we we leave here, I want to just ask you: uh, Do you have any music, uh, new music that you're going to be making coming out? I know you're touring, but are you coming up with any new music yourself? Um. There, there are a couple of tracks in the can, and um, I'm going to be working on a, a couple more before the end of the year, but I, I don't have any plans for them. It, it might get uh, released as an EP. Um, we might just wait a little while longer and, and put a, a full, full-blown full album together. But, uh, yeah. you know, once again, it's, it, it's all down to, um, you know, label interest and, uh, mm, yeah. and, and budget, you know. Yeah. We've just got to uh, balance those out and figure out if it's, if it's the right time to put a record on. Well, I hope you do, because I've always enjoyed your conceptual ideas as far as albums, as opposed to, you know, just a bunch of songs thrown together. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know, co- unfortunately, concept albums are a little bit unfashionable now. Right, They're, yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Everything goes around in circles. Eventually. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I really do appreciate it. No problem. I appreciate it, too. Alan Parsons, want to thank him so much for taking the time to talk to us here at On Screen and Beyond. You're not going to hear those stories every day. <laughs> that's that's just something. I mean, working with the Beatles and uh, Pink Floyd and, and and Al Stewart and just so many other people. It's a, it's just fascinating to listen to those stories, and we really appreciate it that he took the time to talk to us about those things right here on On Screen and Beyond. Well, let's see here. We're going to be finishing up this episode of On Screen and Beyond. Like I said uh, before, I always say it, but uh, it's just the truth. We've got some great guests coming your way uh, in the next few weeks right here at On Screen and Beyond. So I hope you're going to stick around and join us for those. And if you get a chance and you have a suggestion of somebody you you would like to hear here at On Screen and Beyond, email it to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and I'll see what I can do about getting that person on for you. And let's see here. What else? Uh, I mentioned the shopping earlier. If you're going to be shopping, support the show. Go to onscreenandbeyond.com and click on our sponsors ad, and it'll take you to their site. You can do your shopping, and we'll get a little credit for it, and it helps support the show. We appreciate it so much if you do that. And uh, that is about it for this week. If you're on Facebook, go ahead and like us. Until then, it's next week when we bring you another exciting guest here at On Screen and Beyond, when we once again take you on screen. And beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.